Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I shouldn't make such mistakes. And he laughed and said, We'll see. Oh, do you suppose that means he's going to give me one? We are so proud of Dory's having taken two prizes at the examination yesterday. He took the second Latin prize and the first mathematics. Dr. Pullman says he thinks Dory is one of the most thorough boys he ever saw. Isn't that nice? The prizes were books. One was the life of Benjamin Franklin, and the other the life of General Butler. Papa says he doesn't think much of the life of Butler, but Dory has begun it, and says it is splendid. Phil says when he takes a prize he wants candy and a new knife. But he'll have to wait a good while unless he studies harder than he does now. He's just come in to tease me to go up into the garret and help him get down his sled, because he thinks it is going to snow. But there isn't a sign of it, and the weather is quite warm. I asked him what I should say for him to you, and he said, Oh, tell her to come home and anything you please. I said, Shall I give her your love, and say that you are very well? And he says, Oh, yes, Miss Elsie, I guess you'd think yourself mighty well if your head ached as much as mine does every day. Don't be frightened, however, for he's just as fat and rosy as can be. But almost every day he says he feels sick about school-time. When Papa was at Moorfield, Miss Finch believed him and let him stay home two mornings. I don't wonder at it, for you can think what a face he makes up. But he got well so fast that she pays no attention to him now. The other day, about eleven o'clock, Papa met him coming along the road, shying stones at the birds and making lots of noise. He told Papa he felt so sick that his teacher had let him go home. But Papa noticed that his mouth looked sticky, so he opened his dinner basket and found that the little scamp had eaten up all his dinner on the road—corned beef, bread and butter, a great piece of mince pie, and six pears. Papa couldn't help laughing, but he made him turn around and go right back to school again. I told you in my last about Johnny's going to school with me now. She's very proud of it, and is always talking about Elsie's and my school. She's twice as smart as the other girls of her age. Miss McCrane has put her into the composition class, where they write compositions on their slates. The first subject was a kitten, and John's began, She's a dear, little, soft, scratching thing, only you'd better not pull her by the tail, but she's real cunning. All the girls laughed, and Johnny called out, Well, it's true, anyhow. I can't write any more, for I must study my Latin. Besides, this is the longest letter that ever was. I have been four days writing it. Please send me one just as long. Old Mary and the children send lots of love, and Papa says, Tell Katie if a pudding diet sets her to growing again, she must come home at once, for he couldn't afford it. Oh, dear, how I wish I could see you. Please give my love to Rose Red. She must be perfectly splendid. Your affectionate Elsie. Oh, the dear little duck! "'Isn't that just like her?' said Clover. "'I think Elsie has a real genius for writing, don't you? She tells all the little things and is so droll and cunning. Nobody writes such nice letters. Who's that from, Katie?' "'Cousin Helen. And it's been such a long time coming. Just look at this date, September 22nd, a whole month ago.' Then she began to read. "'Dear Katie, it seems a long time since we have had a talk, but I have been less well lately, so that it has been difficult to write.' Yesterday I sat up for the first time in several weeks, and today I am dressed and beginning to feel like myself. I wish you could see my room this morning. I often wish this, but it is so particularly pretty, for little Helen has been in with a great basket full of leaves and flowers, and together we have dressed it to perfection. There are four vases of roses, 
a bowl full of chrysanthemums, and red leaves around all my pictures. The leaves are Virginia creeper. It doesn't last long, but it is lovely while it lasts. Helen also brought a bird's nest which the gardener found in a hawthorn tree on the lawn. It hangs on a branch, and she has tied it to one side of my bookshelves. On the opposite side is another nest quite different—a great gray hornet's nest, as big as a bandbox, which came from the mountains a year ago. I wonder if any such grow in the woods about Hillsover. In spite of the red leaves, the day is warm as summer, and the windows stand wide open. I suppose it is cooler with you, but I know it is delicious cold. Now that I think of it, you must be in Ashburn by this time. I hope you will enjoy every moment of your vacation. October 19th. I did not finish my letter the day it was begun, dear Katie, and the next morning it proved that I was not so strong as I fancied, and I had to go to bed again. I am still there, and, as you see, writing with a pencil. But do not be worried about me, for the doctor says I am mending, and soon I hope to be up and in my chair. The red leaves are gone, but the roses are lovely as ever, for little Helen keeps bringing me fresh ones. She has just been in to read me her composition. The subject was stars, and you can't think how much she found to say about them. She is a bright little creature, and it is a great pleasure to teach her. I am hardly ever so sick that she cannot come for her lessons, and she gets on fast. We have made an arrangement that when she knows more than I do, she is to give me lessons, and I am not sure that the time is so very far off. I must tell you about my Ben. He is a new canary which was given me in the summer, and lately he has grown so delightfully tame that I feel as if it were not a bird at all, but a fairy prince come to live with me and amuse me. The cage door is left open always now, and he flies in and out as he likes. He is a restless, inquisitive fellow, and visits any part of the room, trying each fresh thing with his bill to see if it is good to eat, and then perching on it to see if it is good to sit upon. He mistakes his own reflection in the looking-glass for another canary, and sits on the pincushion twittering and making love to himself for half an hour at a time. To watch him is one of my greatest amusements, especially just now when I am in bed so much. Sometimes he hides and keeps so still that I have not the least idea where he is. But the moment I call, Ben! Ben! and hold out my finger, wings begin to rustle, and out he flies and perches on my finger. He isn't the least bit in the world afraid, but sits on my head or shoulder, eats out of my mouth, and kisses me with his beak. He is on the pillow at this moment, making runs at my pencil, of which he is mortally jealous. It is just so with my combs and brushes if I attempt to do my hair. He cannot bear to have me do anything but play with him. I do wish I could show him to you and Clover. Little Helen, my other pet, has just come in with a sponge-cake which she frosted herself. She sends her love, and says when you come to me next summer she will frost you each one just like it. Good-bye, my Katie. I had nothing to write about, and I've written it, but I never like to keep silent too long, or let you feel as if you were forgotten by your loving cousin, Helen. P.S. Be sure to wear plenty of warm wraps for your winter walks. And, Katie, dear, you must eat meat every day. Mrs. Nipson will probably give up her favorite pudding now that the cold weather has begun, but if not, write to Papa. "'Isn't that letter Cousin Helen all over?' said Katie. "'So little about her illness, and so bright and merry, and yet she has really been sick. Papa says a sharp attack. Isn't she the dearest person in the world, next to Papa, I mean? Yes, indeed. There's nobody like her. I do hope we can go to see her next summer. Now it's my turn. I can't think who this letter is from. Oh, Clarence! Katie, I can't let you see this. I promised I wouldn't show his letters to anybody, not even you. Oh, very well. But you've got another. Dory, isn't it? Read that first, and I'll go away and leave you in peace. So Clover read. Dear Clover, Elsie says she is going to write you today, but I won't stop because next Saturday I'm going out fishing with the slacks. There are a great many trout now in Blue Brook. 
Eugene caught six the other day—no, five. One was a minnow. Papa has given me a splendid rod. It lets out as tall as a house. I hope I shall catch with it. Alexander says the trout will admire it so much that they can't help biting. But he was only funning. Elsie and I play chess most every night. She plays a real good game for a girl. Sometimes Pa helps, and then she beats. Miss Finch is well. She don't keep house quite like Katie did, and I don't like her so well as I do you, but she's pretty nice. The other day we had a nutting picnic, and she gave me and Phil a loaf of election cake and six quince turnovers to carry. The boys gave three cheers for her when they saw them. Did Elsie tell you that I have invented a new machine? It is called the Intellectual Peach Parer. There is a place to hold a book while you pare the peaches. It is very convenient. I don't think of anything else to tell you. Cece has got home and is going to have a party next week. She's grown up now, she says, and she wears her hair quite different. It's a great deal thicker than it used to be. Elsie says it's because there are rats in it, but I don't believe her. Elsie has got a new friend. Her name is Helen Gibbs. She's quite pretty. Your affectionate brother, Dory. P.S. John wants to put in a note. John's note was written in a round hand, as easy to read as print. Dear Clover, I am well and hope you are the same. I wish you would write me a letter of my own. I go to school with Elsie now. We write compositions. They are hard to write. We don't go up into the loft half so much as we used to when you were at home. Mrs. Warrett came to dinner last week. She says she weighs two hundred and eighty pounds. I should think it would be dreadful to weigh that. I only weigh seventy-six. My head comes up to the mark on the door where you were measured when you were twelve. Isn't that tall? Good-bye. I send a kiss to Katie. Your loving John. After they had finished this note, Katie went away leaving Clover to open Clarence's letter by herself. It was not so well written or spelt as Dory's by any means. Dear Clover, don't forget what you promised, I mean about not showing this. And don't tell Lily I wrote. If you do she'll be as mad as hops. I haven't been doing much since you went away. School begun yesterday, and I am glad, for it's awfully dull now that you girls have gone. Mother says Guest has got fleas on him, so she won't let him come into the house any more. I stay out in the barn with him instead. He is well, and sends you a wag of his tail. Jim and me are making him a collar. It is black with G.P. on it, for guest paid, you know. A lot of the boys had a camping out last week. I went. It was real jolly, but Ma wouldn't let me stay all night, so I lost the best part. They roasted sculpins for supper, and had a bonfire. The camp was on Hartsnet Hill. Next time you come I'll take you out there. Pa has gone to Maine on business. He said I must take care of the house, so I've borrowed Jim's gun, and if any robbers come I mean to shoot them. I always go to sleep with a broom against the door so as to wake up when they open it. This morning I thought they had come, for the broom was gone, and the gun too, but it was only Bridget. She opened the door and it fell down, but I didn't wake up, so she took it away and put the gun in the closet. I was mad, I can tell you. This is only a short letter, but I hope you will answer it soon. Give my love to Katie, and tell Dory that if he likes I'll send him my compass for his machinery, because I've got two. Your affectionate cousin, Clarence Page. This was the last of the budget. As Clover folded it up, she was dismayed by the tinkle of the tea-bell. "'Oh, dear!' she cried. "'There's tea, and I've not finished my letter to Elsie. Where has the afternoon gone? How splendid it has been! I wish I could have four letters every day as long as I live!' End of chapter 10